Hey guys, welcome back to The Glitter. Today I'm sitting down with Kelly Thompson. Hey Kelly, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Yes, okay, so you are a leadership coach, a speaker, a writer. You have a book coming out. I was looking at your stuff. I was diving through your Instagram. I don't I don't know you, so this is fun too because a lot of times my guests, I'm like, this is my bestie. <laughs> so I'm excited to get to know you and I know you've got a lot of really, really cool things that you've done. You've been featured in Forbes, Huffington Post, and like all the places, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of happened along the way. It, it just happened. I'm sure it just yeah. happened. <laughs> yes. Welcome to The Glitter. I'm your host, Samantha Parker. This show is dedicated to unpacking and unboxing your glitter in the world. It's dedicated to your besties, girl gang, and your most glittery self. We honor the glitter inside of you and all the glitter you are about to discover. It's there and it's just waiting to be seen. This is your extra special place to discover the magic this world has to offer. I might be your host and guide, but girl, you are the main character in this show. Now let's spill the glitter. So Kelly, what kind of got you started? That's such a loaded question. I'm always like, are we talking about from birth or yeah? <laughs> like, what do you feel like is really just like kind of led you to this moment? You've got a book coming out about confidence. Did you have any big, I don't know, like you just shoved yourself off the cliff moments? Oh my God. Okay. So my problem was, is I didn't know how to shove myself off the cliff probably until five years ago. So I would say like a big defining moment for me. And, and honestly, if we can just even like back up, like I grew up in a really small town. My parents were Catholic school teachers. I went to a Catholic school. So like my whole life was very like rigid. Okay. It was like, you will believe these things. You will wear this outfit. Your skirt will be of this length, right? Like you have to, it has to touch your fingertips and all the things. And so I just was, were you Mormon? (laughs) No, I know. I don't think the Catholic school and like Mormonism is like all that far apart. Right. And so it's, I just was very sheltered. And if I just follow all of these rules, then I will be happy and successful. Right. I just go to college. And if I follow the rules and I wear the dress code and all the things. And so, you know, you don't really think about that impacting your confidence, but it really does. Because I would say like I did, I went to college and then I I got a job at a bank because, you know, my family always told me like, oh, you should get a job at a place that's really secure and pays good benefits. And you can climb the corporate ladder And I did all those things and I got married young because they're like, oh, you know, you should get married young. Well, you still have energy to have kids and go get a master's degree and you'll do all these things. I'm sure I'm not the first. You bought right into the system. Oh, bought right in. And I know I'm not the first or the last person who's ever said, if I just follow all the rules, then I'll be happy. Mm -hmm. So I did. I got married young. Well, that means I got divorced young. I had a child and I was divorced by the time I was 30, jumped right back into another relationship and then called off that wedding. But I wouldn't, I didn't have a lot of confidence and that was the problem. And I would say that really perpetuated itself in corporate America. I mean, I worked in banking, which was also filled with men. And I remember sitting in like rooms where I was one of the only women. I remember sitting in all day meetings where we would keep hearing from the same voices over and over and over again. And I'm just like, oh my God. And I remember even getting like a bathroom break and I'm like, why doesn't any woman speak up around here? And it's almost like in that moment, like the bathroom walls echoed in on me and they were like, well, you could be the one to speak up. I'm like, I can't speak up. I don't have enough experience. Like, what if I say something and everybody thinks I'm crazy? And I didn't have words for it at the time, but it was just full on imposter syndrome. 
But honestly, that was like a pretty big turning point. I'd say I was probably about 30 or 31. I had, you know, just gotten divorced and I was starting to come to terms with the, the, the realization that maybe everybody's list for me wasn't for me. Like I started to ask myself, is this really what I want? Is this the career that I want? Is this the job that I want? And you asked, have I ever just jumped off a confidence clip? I would say that it took me a lot of time and a lot of inner work and a lot of reflection to, I would say, finally make a career change when I was about 33. And I just changed jobs, changed industries. And two years later, I called off wedding three months before we were starting to get married. So it wasn't until my mid-30s where I felt like I really had developed like a stronger sense of myself where I could jump off cliffs if if that's kind of what you're thinking. But yeah, it it took a long time. It does take a long time. And you know, if we think about it, we spent so you spent 30 plus years. I think you said 33. That was like about me. I was like in my 30, like younger 30s. I'm still in my 30s, but <laughs> and I was like, wait a second, you know, what am I doing with my life? And you have to like kind of rebuild your mentality and your mental strength and then take out all those voices of, you know, your skirt must be this long and you almost have to start over reprogramming your brain. hundred percent. I absolutely had to start over. And so at the time, so this was like 2016. And I remember this is kind of when Hamilton, the musical started to get really popular. Yes. And so there was like this <laughs> meme floating around on the internet and it was Aaron Burr to Alexander, or excuse me, Alexander Hamilton to Aaron Burr. And the meme said, if you don't know what you stand for, what will you fall for? And I was like, oh my God, I don't even know what I stand for. Like what? And I started to even thinking about what do I even value? What are my values? And I just kind of assumed that other people shared my values. And, you know, I just kind of said yes to everything. To your point, I never really slowed down and asked myself, do I even want this? Do I enjoy this? And that was a big turning point for me. Like that, that Hamilton meme, like it really got me thinking about like, I'm just falling for everything. So yeah, it's so important to kind of draw that line in the sand. Yeah. And sometimes it does take a really low moment. In fact, that's why I'm like, these moments that suck are like the gifts, you know, like sitting in that bathroom being like, what the fuck am I doing here? Type of moments. They are like our huge, you know, gifts. It's like the lever, the pain becomes so strong that like we have to do something about it. So we can either let it transform us or take us down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I would say that absolutely. Like everything worthwhile in my life usually came from a really shitty moment. For sure. Okay. So I saw that you're from Nebraska. This is like a total side challenge. Do you live in Nebraska? I do. I live in Omaha. Yeah. So my sister just moved to where I live in Southern Utah. We're just out here in the desert. People are like, do you enjoy the snow? I'm like, it doesn't snow here. Please check yourself. Yes. Yes. (laughs) But my sister just moved here from Nebraska. And so I thought that was really interesting. And I was like, you're from Nebraska. She's from Nebraska. Like how do people end up in Nebraska? Yeah. Cause we're born here. <laughs> Our families bought farms years ago and then we're born here. And then I did, I actually moved away um, after college. I went to St. Louis, but when I moved to St. Louis after college and then on one trip back, my then fiance asked me to marry him. And so we were applying for jobs in both places. So he was applying for a job in St. Louis. I was applying for a job in Nebraska. I got mine first. And so I came back. And so here I am. That's how I got back. So did your family have a farm there? I know that you told me a little bit about your grandma. Is that kind yes, of, yes. tell me about that. Do you feel yeah. like that part of your family had like positive influence over your life? Absolutely. So I would say one of my role models is my great grandma. So my family way has kind of always been from this area. And so my grandma, um, 
actually was very atypical for like women her age. In fact, when she was 15, she got a job at her parents' hardware store in this small town in Nebraska. And like women just didn't work then, not like in 1915. They didn't go to college, but she be like became like really shrewd, understood how business worked, understood how you bought things and sold things, customer behavior, et cetera. So she gets married and because she's so shrewd, her and her husband like save a crap ton of money buy a thousand acre farm and ranch in Southwest Nebraska during the Great Depression. And she pretty much is left to manage it because her husband works on the railroad. So he's gone. And so she's the one that's running it. Like she's the one that's going around town, negotiating supplies for the farm, like going toe to toe with like tractor dealers, like negotiating with them down to the last penny for like farm equipment. She was 4'11". But my, my, she raised my dad. And so, but my dad will tell you though, when she would walk into stores, like people would just go get the manager. Like they wouldn't even, you know, spend any time with her. They're like, um, Elizabeth's here. Like, just go get the manager because they knew that she was there to negotiate to like the base dollar. I think one of the things that's really fascinating though, is that she became a widow in 1960 and she was only 59 years old. And remember women couldn't take credit or have credit in their own name until 1974. So all of her shrewdness, all of the things that she learned working in her father's hardware store, all of her business mindset, like allowed her to continue running that farm. Like she would have to buy a bus to pick up our seasonal workers with cash. I don't think a lot of us could do that today, buy farm equipment with cash. And I think the moral of the story of why like she was such a strong role model for me is like back in her time, you know that people called her aggressive, assertive, a bitch because she just broke so many gender norms. And I think even as women today, we still struggle with some of that. You know, we show up in the workplace and we have been called too direct or too assertive, but yet those are some of the same things that men are rewarded for. And sometimes we're re- like penalized even for being too sensitive. But I think it's really important to remember that because she was that way, like, she built a legacy for her family. You know, she That's was really able cool to people. So Yeah, so it's really cool because my grandma also, she started her own business. And so as a kid, I went in there, I even worked for her for a while. And it was really kind of awesome to see. I think it's cool as like women to have a grandma, you know, that's like just out there busting her butt. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Like it's always important to find like those positive role models and those people who are like breaking standards and barriers for where they're at at the time, just to show you what's possible. Yeah. I learned a ton from her too. And one thing that I loved about my grandma, she told me, she goes, I didn't really enjoy having kids. And my mom gets like so triggered by that, but she was telling me she needed something else in her life. And I thought that was really cool to hear someone of that generation too, talking about how they, she's like, I needed something else. Like I didn't want to just be a mom. And I think that was really cool to see too, because, you know, as I had my kids and they don't bring you unfulfilled, like ridiculous amounts of joy. And you know what the picture that the world paints is that they do. And of course they do bring you joy, but they're there. It's a challenge, you know, it and is. it was really cool to like, just see my grandma go out there and do her own thing. And that's just kind of what I grew up with. Mm-hmm. I think that's just so brave too. I think for moms to say, you know what, there is something out there besides my kids. Like how powerful to hear that from your grandma, because that's definitely not a narrative that you would see published a lot of places today, you know, but I think it's a lot of women feel that way. I know I feel that way. Like I love my daughter. I have an almost 17 year old, but you know what? I also need something Me else. Too. We're, we've got a lot going on here. My daughter will be 17 next week. Oh yeah. So mine will be 17 in, in July. So she's a little over a month away. So yes. I think it's fun to raise daughters too, like in this era, because they get to see like really strong women 
And they get to see us like break down the process of, hey, we went through this thing. Here's how we worked through it because we're open, you know, and my daughter gets to see my life play out on social media too. So I don't really hide a lot. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I know mine is always so embarrassed. Sometimes she's mom, your profile is all public. So, you know, I have to be careful about what I tag her in and all the things, but to your point, they've seen like my mom worked, but they've seen a totally different era of workplace. You know, they've seen what's possible in a totally different way. And so they're so lucky. I know my daughter is, I don't want to go to college and I'm like, ha, 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 ha. Like, <laughs> I would like her to, but I don't know what to say because nobody knows that I have a college degree in technology communications, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. nobody does. Yeah. And, and it's just crazy. College is still important, but it is expensive. And so like for that, for this generation, like for you just to kind of go to college and dawdle around a little bit, like it may not pay off. So, but there's a lot of ways that you can succeed without it, but I know. And that's what they're realizing, you know? And so it's kind of cool to see the model broke down, but then at the same time, you're like, wait, should they be doing that? Cause it's still mm-hmm. engraved in who I am, you know? hundred percent, hundred percent. Yes. Okay. Tell me about your book you've got coming out about crushing the confidence standard. Is that, did I say it right? Yeah, closing the confidence gap. Closing the gap. Where did I get that? I even wrote it yeah. down. Crushing the confidence standard. Yeah, no, it's, you know, it's kind of funny because like in corporate America, I still remember vividly sitting in my boss's office and I'm like, I will never, oh, I said, I always want to write a book. Always wanted to since I was a little girl, but I'm like, I will never write a leadership book, you know, because again, talk about like male dominated back in the day, like in 2008, all the leadership books were written by men. So I like, you know, how our daughters have it so differently. Like I literally could not even see a book written by a woman. But anyways, fast forward, I leave corporate America. I go out on my own. I start my own leadership coaching practice. And for the first time, like I'm in like these business training and mastermind groups that are all women. I'm like, so this is what it feels like to be around women leaders. Like I could finally be myself. And Over the course of building my own business, I developed my own women's leadership program because I'm like, this is what women need in corporate. Like they need a container where they can be with other women. And we can talk about the things that women struggle with in the workplace, but that we don't like to talk about things like imposter syndrome, feeling like we're not enough, speaking up, being the only woman in the room, kind of some of the things that I struggled with, like how do we claim our values and stop just box checking, right? Like how do we actually stop and ask ourselves, is this what I really want? How do I trust myself, show up as who I am and make the right decisions? And so that's what really led me to ultimately write the book. I said, I would never write, but it's called closing the confidence gap, boost your peace, your potential and your paycheck. And so it is written for women who want to be able to like, you know, accomplish what they said they would do if they just had a little more confidence and provides them a roadmap to do that. And it also talks about some of the systemic things happening in the workplace and calls organizations to say, you know what? Yes, women need to show up with more confidence and here's how, but organizations also need to address some of the systemic issues that are happening in the workplace because we can't just go around saying we need to fix women. Like we also need to address the workplace issues as well. So how do you view confidence? What is confidence to you? So for me, confidence is just the ability to trust myself. It's ability to trust myself to go in and then take the bravest next step on what I need to do. You know, I don't always feel confident. I think for me, confidence is almost more, it's more of like a verb, more of an action. Cause there's lots of things that I do that I don't always feel confident while I'm doing it. Like yesterday I I've had this goal where I wanted Adam Grant. He's an author to endorse my book. And, you know, he's a big name author and I'm like, oh, you know, thinking about writing him an email and pitching it, right. It's scary, right? Like 
you feel super, super nervous, but I'm like, you know what? But an act of confidence is sitting down, writing a pitch, sending that email while I also feel really uncomfortable, really freaking nervous, really insecure. Like I felt all of those things as I literally closed my eyes and hit send. Like that's confidence. It's doing things in alignment with your values sometimes while you also feel really uncomfortable. So well, yeah. So I just decided I was like, I'm not missing the boat on TikTok. And I was like, I can do this, you know? Yeah. So, and then everyone's like, you're going to dance. And I'm like, no, but have you seen my dancing videos? <laughs> oh my gosh. Isn't it funny how you get roped into some of that stuff? You're like, I'm never going to dance. And then the universe laughs and then you're on there dancing. I've had so much fun though. Yeah. But every time I go to post, I'm like, don't post that. You look so stupid. You're cringy, you know, and I've got everyone too. Ever since I started a TikTok, everyone's telling me what TikToks I should make. And I was like, listen, bitches, like for lack of a better word, unless you're out here in the trenches with me, you do not have room to speak. Shut up. You know? So I had to get everyone's voice out of my head and even my own. And I just have to post and some of the stuff that I'm like, that's so cringy. I should go and hide that video. I should hide it now. Does amazing. Yeah, absolutely. You said something really important though. I have to get everyone else's voice out of my head and trust my own. That's confidence is to, is the ability. It's so tempting now to want to listen to everybody else's voices. It's so easy because like people's voices are everywhere. And so I think that that is a huge gift and a huge skill is they'd be able, is like the ability to be like, nope, like I need to listen to my own voice. So good for you. Well, and I hit a point in my business and you can do this in your business, your life where I was like, you're just scrolling the gram and it's like coaches, coaching coaches to coach coaches. And they all are like, this is the standard. And I woke up one day, like just, I would say about two months ago, to be honest. And I've been working online for seven years. Okay. Uh So I've been creating content for different brands and businesses for seven years. Like I know what I'm doing, but it had really started. Like you don't realize you're subconsciously picking it up. And I woke up one day and I was like, I'm just going to choose to not believe that anymore. So I was like reading something air quote, an expert had wrote, and they were saying like, what works now on Instagram or some platform? I don't even remember to be honest. And I was like, they don't actually work for these they don't work there. Like there's actually people who build and work for Instagram. Right. And then you have all these like people online, like saying how you should do certain things. And I'm like, they don't actually work there. And I was like, I'm just going to choose to not believe that because even when people come to me and they're like, well, I want to do this, but so-and-so said not to do that. And I was like, well, what are you talking about? I can show you 200 people who have done it differently. Mm -hmm. And it's really, you have to decide that like, there aren't any rules, actually. There aren't any gatekeepers. You're not doing anything wrong and you just need to hit go and go for it. And it was like, that to me was huge. So I like stepped out of the closet and I was like, I'm going to do it my way. And it's been, I would say it's been challenging. <laughs> yeah. But rewarding. rewarding. Absolutely. Because everything is going to be challenging or else everyone would be doing it. Right. Um, I always can like look at my life, like to exercises, you know, everyone knows why they don't have six pack abs. (laughs) Hard, It's a hard, it's a lot of work, right? And if you have them, you've put in a lot of work. So that's how I look at it. But yeah, it's definitely been challenging because I've had to kind of go against my, that inner bitch in my head. And I've had to go kind of against what some other people were telling me to do. And then also when I stepped out and just started doing funny things, some people didn't like it. Right. It's Mm -hmm. that, Oh, look at over, look at her over there eating her cookies. Like she owns the place. So it's been like a pretty big challenge, but what I'm realizing is it's okay because I feel really good about what I'm doing. Oh my gosh. That's so important. And I think too, whether you're running your own business you know, cause yeah, you're right. The, the whole coaches, coaching coaches thing out there, right. It's, there's always entrepreneurs telling you what to do or whether you're working in a, in a nine to five, 
or whatever shift you work, there are always people who are going to tell you how you should do things. And there will always be people who are upset when you choose to not take their advice and trust yourself and do something that feels good, right? No, this is in alignment to my values. This actually utilizes my talents. This is what I want to do. And I think I keep this card by my desk and I'll, I'll say it out loud for those of you obviously listening, but I have to keep something by my desk that just says, let them be mad. Because oh, I remember where like, that? Where? Um, I actually got it from an old coach of mine, Susan Hyatt, and she sent them to all of her clients. But this was so resonant to me because for so long, remember, like I grew up Catholic school, do a good job. Don't make people angry, you know, like really work hard to appease people. I mean, that's how I got into abusive relationships. And I worked really hard to keep them happy. And what I realized was, is like, oh, you know what, when you step out and you do your TikTok dances, right. Or you do the type of marketing you want to do, or you're in corporate America and you make the decision that, you know, was right for you. It may upset someone who was benefiting from your lack of boundaries or from your need to kind of appease them or keep them happy. And so I just have learned, I'm like, you know what, it's just okay to let people be mad. And I don't need to, they can handle their anger like adults and the people who love me and support me and are in alignment with my values will support my decisions. And the people who don't probably weren't the right people anyhow. So yeah, lately I've been all about this like main character energy. And a lot of times like things come to me in analogies, which if you're a writer, you get it right. And I was like, you know, if I died, there would be some people in my life that were sad and it might, you know, be traumatic for them for quite some time. Other people, they just have some nostalgic thoughts about me every once in a while, but their lives would go on. So who am I living for? If I'm not living for myself, you know? That's so good. I've heard some people, someone say, I don't remember who said it. Maybe it was Adam Grant who said, we live with dead people's opinions and expectations. Like people who have either died years ago and who have set culture and things that we still follow. But that's just so good to think about who really, really would care about me. Right. Yeah, and that's when you what die, your book ends and everyone yes. else is still writing theirs, you know, yes. like so who cares good. at the end of the day? Yeah. Love it. Awesome. Okay. So what's next for you? I'm sure putting out a book is like the highlight of your life right now. Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah. And it's actually been a lot of fun. So what's next for me is right now I'm currently working with an ebook online book club app called Fable. We're doing a career development leading with confidence course. You can hop online and get access to the book early this summer. And then, yeah, I'll be, my hardcover actually comes out on November 1st. So it's all things book launch right now, just talking about the book, talking about the book and talking about the book. But when I'm not talking about the book, I coach women leaders one-to-one and then I I also have a group program that I offer in the spring and in the fall. It's called the Clarity and Confidence Women's Leadership Program. So those are always things that I'm working on all the time. And that, and like I said, I'm a writer. So I always love to write about things as they happen. So that's sometimes where I write articles with HuffPost or in Forbes and whatever's kind of happening in current events. Yeah. And keeping my daughter in line. I keeping your daughter in line. That's really funny. I feel like I lucked out because I've got like a really pretty amazing daughter. Her only problem is like, she just will not leave the house to go to school. I'm like, leave the house, get in the car. And I mean, I've taken the car and then I'm like toting her around to school. And my husband's deployed right now at the U S army. And I'm like, I don't, I'm not adding one more thing to my list. So I have this theory with my kids and I'm, I let natural consequences play out. (laughs) It was so good. So good. It's hard. We had to go to a meeting at the school because of how late she'd been. And they're like looking at me and I'm like looking at her. I'm like, take responsibility for your life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. No, I love it. It's like 
kids will never learn if you're constantly jumping in and rescuing them. And my daughter had to learn that early on. And she still sometimes will ping me, mom, I forgot my lunch. And instead of me like running up there to give her food, I'm like, oh, bummer. What are you going to do? I'm like, it's a good thing the school serves food. Like, oh my God, I do the same thing. My kids are like, you I know? this. And I'm like, that sucks. Yeah, bummer. You know, you know, my daughter loves, she loves her job. She loves to work, but school is kind of like, she's, she's there to see her friends. And so like homework just really isn't that fun. School isn't fun. And so she's sometimes had some struggles with grades, super hard worker, but she doesn't like the class. She's over it. But same thing. Like if her grades aren't good enough, we just like say, bummer, I guess she'll be studying this weekend instead of hanging out with your friends. Like Uh, it's natural consequences, right? Dang it. Bummer. Yeah. Your life is, it feels like very corporate-y, you know, I don't mean that in a bad way, but very business focused. So I'm always like minus two, like my life revolves around my business, but what do you do to mitigate that? Do people sometimes have wild hobbies? Do you do anything super fun? I would say the thing that my husband and I love to do is we love to go to the mountains. So like you're already kind of nearish the mountains, right? We're not, we're not horribly far, but we have a place that we love to, we have a little Airbnb that we have and we'll go up there and hang out and then Airbnb it when we're not there. But that's as crazy as we get, but no, we love to go up there. We love to hike. We love to walk. Like I love to work out. Like that's my stress relief. So every morning I love to do those sorts of things. So I think um, I'm kind friends, of, Kelly. <laughs> uh, it just makes me feel so much better. Honestly, like I am so much more like friendly and fit for human consumption when I've worked out, but um, like, I'm kind of boring. I love to cook. That's, that's really exciting. I know, but I love to read all those sorts of things. I'm just a big fat introvert. So no, I, I totally get it. And I pour so much of who I am into the business, especially when you're like serving other people that you're fulfilling yourself in so many ways through the business. You know, it's yep. not like nine to five, you get off work and then it's, what do you do? You know? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Also, we're just going to end on this. I don't understand how people will work so hard on their mindset and then they won't take care of their body. And I don't, I'm not the like fittest person you'll ever meet by any means, but I get up every morning and I show my body some love. And I think that's a huge part of keeping yourself sane. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. I remember I was in my twenties and like really struggling with my mental health, Uh, unapologetically, you know, seeing a therapist on antidepressants. And like, I just remember though, like to your point, I was not moving my body and that was, that was a game changer for me. And I remember I just started literally by taking a walk every day. Like maybe I should go outside and breathe fresh air, (laughs) like little things. And then when I started recognizing, oh, I feel better when I start my day with movement. Like it was never about weight loss or anything. It was just like, oh, when I get outside and I start with day, my day with movement, like I'm more fit for human consumption. I feel better. I have more energy. Like my thoughts are clearer. And, you know, I was able to stop taking, I think I was on like Zoloft or something like that. Cause I just felt better. And I developed better coping mechanisms. I mean, I got divorced and so that helped too, but like, but <laughs> you made it through that. Like, a non-negotiable for me that like, I have to get up and move my body every day. Or I just, I just don't feel as, as good for sure. Yeah. And I was super rigid about what I was doing for a while. And then I realized that was making me miserable and spiking my Mm -hmm. adrenals. And there's all these things that go with that, you know? So now I wake up and I'm like, what do I want to do today? Today, I decided to go for a hot girl walk. You know, have you seen the hot girl walks? No, I haven't. It's just like where you like go for a walk and you're like, I'm hot. I'm amazing. (laughs) I need to do that. Okay. I'm totally missing out. So that's the, that's the crazy wild hobby I need to have. I usually will like lift weights or I do my ride my Peloton, but (laughs) I was like, I'm going for a walk today, but I decided to walk to the coffee shop and it's like starting to push near a hundred here. You know, we've got that Vegas weather. Yeah. And so I made it to the coffee shop and then I called my sister and I was like, you want to come get me? I'll buy you a coffee. (laughs) 
I, I hot girl walked too far. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. So if you guys head over to the glitter.me, we will have Kelly linked up over there. And thank you so much for your time and your love and your energy. I, you're just amazing. And I can tell you're doing amazing things in this world. Oh, thank you so much for having me.